The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour a blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Billy Hahn, Jr., and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast, being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV, channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSE, channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV, Channel 8, and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV, Channel 28 in Eureka. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV, Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable Channel 1519 in Los Angeles. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KQTA-TV, Channel 15.3 and Comcast Channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Central California and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church, located at 1043 Middle Street, is the headquarters of the gospel of the kingdom of God for the whole world, with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus coming soon. A landmark in Kali for 98 years, and our prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lockbaum on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are, and the shut-ins, that is, those of you in the hospitals and conference and homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. The prayer tower, a room standing above the temple at our mother church is used exclusively for prayer. Every true believer knows that anyone, anytime, anywhere can talk to Jesus. This is how we are comforted and able to continue our day. However, 
There are times when we need to have a specific area to fully give our all in prayer to our Heavenly Father. For the believer, being able to fully focus on the Lord is paramount. You can set your eyes upon the Savior and give you your requests, supplication, and yes, especially your praises and glory. The Apostolic Faith Church Choir, under the loving direction of Emilia Hahn, will gather together and sing the beautiful melody entitled, In This Very Room. The choir will be accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Iris Locke on the organ.
A power melody is presented to you with love and honor for the Savior. Thank you, choir. And now the church band directed by yours truly stand at the ready to play the song entitled Lift Every Voice and Sing.
Our soul is for this morning's Rose Pohaku Quarter, and today she's chosen to sing for the Lord the song entitled, Consider the Lilies. Pohaku will be accompanied by Tiare Summers on the piano, Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Boat Sr. and Mason Asano Sr. on the guitars, and Associate Pastor Marvin Abeng on the bass. Spin. And there's not a king with more splendor than them. Consider the sparrows, they don't plant nor sow, but they're fed by the master who watches them grow. We have a heavenly father. full of mercy and a heart full of love he really cares when your head is bowed low consider stars tells the sun when to shine and kisses the flowers each morning with dew but the, he's not too busy to care about you we have a heavenly father above with full of mercy and a heart full of love he really cares when your head is bowed low consider the lilies and then you will know consider the lilies they don't toil nor spin with more splendor than them. Consider the sparrows, they don't plant nor sow, but they're fed by the master who watches them grow. We have a heavenly Father above with eyes full of mercy and a heart full of love he really cares when your head is bowed low consider the lilies and then you will know consider the lilies and then The church choir will sing their second number for today entitled, He Made Everything New. Please sing along with the choir as the words appear on your screen. 
Church Orchestral, led by Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Pro Sr., will gather together and play for one and all the exciting song, Jesus is the Joy of Living.
Before we go on to the all-important reading of God's Word, the vocal group known as Saints in Harmony stand ready to give praises and glory to Jesus in this wonderful number entitled, The Old Account Was Settled. The Saints in Harmony will be accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano. Today's number is dedicated to Mrs. Pearl Kawahara of Hilo Hawaii. May the good Lord richly continue to bless and keep you, Pearl. Have a beautiful Sunday. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top with many things below. I went unto the keeper and said, Oh, long ago, long ago, long ago, I settled it all. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. Clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I look ahead and saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle. I settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. O sinner, seek the Lord, repent of all your sins. For thus he hath commanded, if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, up there you'll not regret it. You settled long ago, long ago, long ago. Yes, the old account was settled long ago, and the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, when the old account was settled long ago. Long ago, down on my knees, long ago, I settled it all. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. Hi, and praise the Lord, everyone. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda, and I would like to repeat our television time stations and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV channel 28 in Eureka, from 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV channel 11 in Monterey, from 6 to 7 a.m. on Charter Cable channel 1519 in Los Angeles, from 6 to 7 a.m. 
on station KQTA TV channel 515.3 and Comcast channel 238 in San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 6 to 7 a.m. on Time Warner Cable channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on JesusComingSoon.org. And now concerning our schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakai Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloi in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balogo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services regardless of church affiliations. There are no collections, however, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to these telecasts and support the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now I'd like to return our program back to Head Pastor Billy Hunt Jr., who will bring forth his spirit-directed and spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. A practicing Christian pays careful attention to those gospel details which are necessary in his daily life if he expects to be a part of the rapture. When Jesus returns in clouds of glory for his very own, I am certain, television viewers, that if you are like me, you do not want to be left behind. You do not want to be counted among the multitudes who failed to acquire their salvation through the simple act of water baptism in the name of Jesus. Therefore, it would be a great gain spiritually if you took this time to partake in the reading of God's Word during the presentation of my sermon, which I have entitled, People Who Met Jesus. The four Gospels contain the record of many people who have met Jesus. The circumstances will vary in each instance. The meeting could have been on the hillsides of Galilee when Jesus compassionately delivered the Beatitudes to a multitude of listeners. Or perhaps under a heated debate, a member of the Sanhedrin may have adamantly opposed the claims that he was the Son of God. In another instance, the contact with Jesus could have been on a more personal basis, as it was with Nicodemus who was intrigued by the works and profound words of Jesus. In all cases, these people were privileged to have been in the presence of God. This morning, I am introducing you to Jesus, not in the physical form, but by the Word of God. His presence is felt through the Spirit and confirmed through the Word with signs following. Therefore, anyone who has heard the Word of God cannot deny ever meeting the Son of God. Yes, and this is what this television ministry is all about so that you might come to the knowledge of the truth. John describes the reason for the Gospels. 
Let us read John 20, 30 and 31. And many other signs showed to Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that he might believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing he might have life through his name. On the surface, we acknowledge that it is wonderful to meet Jesus, but we continue to ensure we take full advantage of what he has to offer. The key word in this passage, as in others, is believing. Have you ever noticed that the course set by sin and unbelief is a speedy downward spiral leading to eternal torment? As hazardous as it is, it attracts a multitude of people. Whereas if they would only give Jesus a chance, eternal life awaits them. In his resurrected body, Jesus showed himself twice to the disciples in the secrecy of a late night supper. He appeared once again to Peter and a few of the others. This group who followed Peter went fishing in the Sea of Galilee, an illustration of abandoning their faith. Thus, the word spoken to Peter, lovest thou me? Paul reports in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, that he publicly appeared to a congregation of 500. Through the scriptures, we read of how some were healed of their sicknesses. In fact, on many occasions, the Bible tells that Jesus healed all who came unto him. Demons were cast out, water was turned into wine, the dead were raised, and yet in spite of all these miracles and wondrous works, it was not enough to influence the majority to believe. In his ministry, Jesus commissioned people from all walks of life to spread the good news. He commissioned Luke, who was a physician, Peter and Andrew, who were fishermen, left their nets and became fishers of men. Matthew was a tax collector for the Roman government. Even Judas Iscariot was chosen to follow and fitted into God's plan as his disciple. However, on the night of the Last Supper, when he portrayed Jesus, Judas' tenure as his disciple ended. Thomas characterized as one slow to believe and always viewing things from the darker side, received of the Lord tender reproof and words of conviction. Immediately addressing Thomas in his second appearance to the disciples, Jesus spoke these words. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. When we read the gospel accounts, we read of those who were transformed by Jesus and those who did not change for the better. We can draw a reasonable similarity between then and now that some will choose not to change for the better. Rather than yielding their lives to Christ, they knowingly reject him and all that proceeded out of his mouth. Let us read Matthew 10, 34 to 40. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against his, her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And the foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. It is easy to say Jesus is Lord when we are in church. Assembled amongst believers, the atmosphere is wonderful and everyone is in that one place. However, it becomes another thing to proclaim our faith in Christ when we are facing hostile opposition to our faith. A pastor once posted a sign up of the doorway of his church so that the congregation could read it as they left the services. It read, your service to the Lord begins now. 
Yes, we are to be good Christians in and out of the house of the Lord. The true test comes if the believer can apply the Word of God and firmly hold on to its truths while living in an ungodly and sinful world. As you can see through the scriptures, TV viewers, the presence of Jesus would naturally disrupt the chosen path the world has taken. Jesus is calling all men back to God through a ministry of reconciliation. It is the contents of his ministry that many would not accept and discipline themselves to. This is what the Lord was preparing his disciples for. In the scripture we have just read, Jesus elevates the importance of salvation by placing it above the importance of family unity. In the Jewish tradition, the father is the head of the household and is afforded the greatest loyalty from all family members. To generate division between a father and his son was just unthinkable. The relationship between a mother and her daughter carried an equivalent weight of importance. When a woman married, an intimate relationship was established between the family members and especially with her mother-in-law. Jesus takes these examples of life to impress that a relationship with him may require leading the very ones you love and care for one in this life. He compassionately calls, come and follow me. Bearing these scriptures in mind, we are living and striving to be part of the soon coming rapture. Our lives require faith to obey God's commandments such that we will be ready when Jesus returns for his own. From Genesis to Revelation, the word obedience is emphasized, anticipating the blessed hope of the church, referred to by Paul in Titus 2:13, is paramount among those that believe. The glorious appearing is the initial return of Jesus in clouds of glory. When he returns, he will rapture his saints dead and alive. In order to be eligible and be a part of this significant event, one must be prepared. The most important question in this life is, what must I do to be saved? Nicodemus of the third chapter of John did not approach the matter of salvation in a straightforward manner, whereas the Philippian jailer did in Acts chapter 16 and the Ethiopian eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. However, the Spirit of God was present and they all received the same instructions. You must be born again. In the cover of night, Nicodemus, whose spirit was stirred within, sought to seek Jesus out. The miracles Nicodemus had witnessed and heard of while Jesus toured Jerusalem impassioned Nicodemus to inquire even more. Within himself, he accepted the authenticity of the miracles and that Jesus was certainly a man of God at the least. Let us turn to John chapter 3 and read of this purposeful encounter. Reading verses 1 through 4, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus' response to Nicodemus cut straight to the heart of the matter and made him aware of what must be done to obtain salvation. However, the statement given by Jesus was not readily absorbed by Nicodemus. The impossibility of one return to the womb of one's mother was absurd. Being a scholar, the message of salvation would not be received unless it was accompanied with an explanation. Let us continue reading in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
And in the sixth and seventh verses, it reads, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The natural man is incapable of seeing and is unable to enter into the kingdom of God. Unless he is born again, the natural man, no matter how gifted, moral or refined he may be, is absolutely barred from God's presence because of sin. It is inhumanly impossible for a man to remove his own sin. Follow me as you read in Genesis 5, 1 to 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. And in the day when they were created, and Adam lived in 130 years, and begat a son in his own likeness after his image, and he called his name Seth. Seth, meaning the appointed, became the replacement for Adam's righteous son Abel, who was killed at the hands of Cain. In spite of Satan's efforts to obstruct God's plan to provide a savior for sinful man by killing Abel, God's plan nevertheless continued producing Seth. Two points of interest are highlighted here. First, God's image rested upon Adam, who unfortunately sinned, thus losing the image and inheriting death. Adam, having this frailty, thus passes on this sinful nature to all generations. Secondly, through Seth, a righteous and godly lineage will continue, whereby Jesus Christ is born. By reading in Luke 3, 23-38, you will see the lineage of Joseph, the son of Heli, Mary's husband, and the mother of Jesus, leading all the way back to Enos, which was the son of Seth, which has the son of Adam, which was the son of God. Therefore, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. In order to find Jesus, conformity to the word of God is required. Believing is synonymous with faith and works. Thus, in order to be saved, one must believe and receive what God has revealed. Therefore, being baptized by immersion, that is, born of water, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, as evidenced by the speaking in tongues, which is being born of spirit, is necessary for salvation. Furious, you should not find it difficult to grasp if your heart is willing to keep God's commandments. We find Peter impelled by the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. His boldness and confidence in the Lord is apparent. We read in Acts 2, 36 and 37, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know surely that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? In Acts 2, 38, it reads, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That unmerited grace of God, which has been shown toward mankind, and which brings salvation and eternal life, has been made available to all men. We cannot earn or buy grace, yet it has been freely given to us as a gift of God. Therefore, in the Lord, intellectual, racial, and cultural discrimination are non-existent. We're all found in want when the Lord's judgment scales are set, and God will love and accept all those who come to repentance. Repentance simply means godly sorrowful sin. Before anyone can be saved, one must acknowledge oneself as a sinner. Being truly sorry for one's sin starts the journey to eternal life. Let us read in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
The overview of the born-again message is the water of baptism performed in the name of Jesus and the infilling of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by the speaking in tongues. Both are necessary to fulfill all righteousness and complete salvation. There is no other way. We read in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. God reminds us daily, viewers, if you love me, keep my commandments. There is nothing superficial, deceptive about this born-again message. Water baptism is not an option for any clergy or pastor to give you, because neither has the authority to change God's plan of salvation. Today is the day of salvation, if you will, but hear his voice. Most often, the words of Jesus offended the listeners, thus confirming the word of God that he did not come to bring peace, but a sword. The disciples are likened to apprentices who follow the lead journeyman in gaining knowledge of the trade. Such were the disciples. Jesus had been with his disciples for a period of three years, training them to carry on in his absence. They were exposed to the good things, such as the miracles and the healings. They were witnesses to the feeding of the 4,000 people, and then again of the 5,000. Each time, only a little food was available. However, after the sitting, numerous baskets of fragments were gathered up. God raised up others as well as all who are described as 70. These were sent out two by two and were commissioned to say to all who will listen, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Reading Luke 10, 1 to 2. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth the labors into his harvest. These were empowered to heal the sick and afflicted. They rejoiced, knowing the devils were subject to them at the call of the name of Jesus. However, Jesus reminded them their true cause for rejoicing should be that their names were written in heaven. On the same token, Jesus suffered persecution and opposition from members of the Sanhedrin, as well as those who followed the traditions of their forefathers. In the Gospel of John, we find instances where Jesus boldly defended himself in the face of those who were fortified in their beliefs. Jesus did not resort to violence, armor, or a sword. He defended himself with the knowledge of the God, thus causing division amongst his persecutors. With a threat of being stoned on several occasions, he nevertheless pursued, so as to be about his father's business. Let us read in John 8, 52-53. Wherefore we find, where we find Jesus under extreme persecution. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? The words Jesus spoke disrupted the intellectual foundation of the listeners. It is clear they did not come with penitent hearts, but came to disprove, intimidate, and destroy. Their purpose and mindset were to intellectually cross swords with Jesus. But upon arrival, they found that their weapons were powerless over the words of Jesus. The object of the discussion boiled down to these conclusions. First, they were faced with the decision as to whether or not they would recognize Jesus as the Son of God. Secondly, would they believe the words that he spoke were his truth and sent from God? Thirdly, denying Jesus and condemning his works would place them outside of the spiritual lineage of Abraham, though physically they were Jews. Hearing these powerful words of wisdom shook them severely. They would not concede to the words that surpassed their own understanding, and thus 
responded to Jesus, who are you to tell us of the prophets? Let us read on verses 54 and 56. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. It is a wonderful day, television viewers, when you allow Jesus to come into your lives as he is. For Jesus to be effective in your lives, you must deny your own righteousness and live according to God's righteousness. This is what Jesus was attempting to impress upon the unbelievers. He reasoned with them passionately by saying, If you worship God, you should have no problem worshiping me as well. If you are unable to identify any sin upon me, why then do you find difficulty accepting the truth? Jesus perfectly said in verse 56, Abraham your father, indicating their sinful heritage, whereas he was born of God and knew no sin. To rebut the words of Jesus, they replied in verse 57, Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? In verse 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I said unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. And in the 59th verse, he reads, Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. The familiar identification of God as I am stems all the way back to Exodus where Moses was called upon to lead Israel out of the land of Egypt. Yes, you can most assuredly say, Moses met with Jesus as well. The statement that brought this conversation to an abrupt end was the truth of his origin and existence. The learned men knew of the term I am and how it applied to God. They were knowledgeable of it because they were very familiar with the laws of Moses and of the writings of the prophets. The presence of Jesus was an attack on their religious stature, and his knowledge of the prophets and of God was intimidating to them, and yet it could not be discredited by any man. Whether the scriptures are new to us or we have read them numerous times over the years, they have made us wise unto salvation. Read in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the 14th to 17th verse, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. One cannot keep denying the existence of God. Roliness, TV viewers with this form of thinking will take you farther and farther away from the truth. Your faith must begin somewhere, and let it begin with Jesus. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He did write the book on righteousness and salvation. He inspired holy men of God to write a faultless guide to salvation. If you'd like to know more about God's Word and the church, then view these telecast presentations is entire. Please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Billy Hahn Jr., expressing my sincere appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come into your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Closing our program are the spirited members of the church band, and they have chosen to play the number entitled, Bringing in the Sheaves.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.